receive back. Unless you weren't here last time, and uh, glad you're here now. Let me uh, just just tell you that uh, this is such a blessing to be able to be together and share like this. And uh, I'm excited that you're here to study some a subject that, uh, as I told you last time, this just changed my life. And I hope it can do the same for you as well. Uh, we're studying angels. And uh, we, we began last time, we looked at several things. We looked at how angels are created beings. Okay, they're not gods, even not even little gods. They're created beings. We talked about how they're spirit beings by nature. That's, that's what they are. We talked about the fact that they are immortal. They'll never die. And we also talked about that they were holy. Now, again, that's, that's the majority of them. That's some of them. And I, I, I didn't have a King James translation with me last time. So I brought one this time to clarify the point that I made just in passing. Uh, because the NIV does not include the word holy in this passage. This is Matthew 25. So I want to start there. Read that verse again and clarify a little bit as to what we're saying. And then we'll, we'll press on. Before we do that, in college, I went to college with a guy by the name of Richard Bowles. And uh, Richard, and he'll tell you himself, he was pretty much a, a renegade when I, when I knew him in college, at least part of the time. That I knew him in college, but he talked about an experience he had. Told me about a time when he was in high school. This is in Lubbock, Texas. He was in high school and he was uh, on a on a boat, a speedboat actually, with several friends on a lake, Buffalo Lake, there in in Lubbock. And they were flying across this lake, and there were two other guys there and a couple of girls. And I think one of the guys' dads was driving the boat. Now, you understand, this is a speedboat. They're going about 60 across this lake. And uh, the, one of the guys yells, hey, let's bail out. Well, he and the, the, one of the, the other guy, they've done this before, knew what they're doing. They just jump out of the boat. Now, there's great technique involved in doing that. This is one of those things. Don't try this if you don't know better. But what they do is, Look, when you go, jump out of a boat going that fast on water, it's like jumping out of the back of a pickup going down the highway at 60. But what they would do is they would ball up in, a, in a, as tight a ball as they could get, grab their knees and ball up, and then they would just bing, 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 they would just skip across the top of the water. Richard didn't know this. Well, they, those two guys bail out of the boat, and he's looking at those a couple of girls that are watching. He was not going to be shown up by those guys. He said, well, I'll do it too. So he just jumped out feet first. When his feet first, as soon as they touched that water, the speed of that boat slammed him face down onto the the water on that lake, and it knocked him out cold. Unfortunately, it knocked every bit of oxygen, air, out of him as well. And when Richard came to, he was laying on the bottom of the lake. When he regained consciousness, laying on the bottom of the lake. He didn't know how deep it was. All he knew, he said, all I knew was I had to have air. And so he, he didn't know how long he'd been there either. So he starts 
swimming as hard as he can from the surface. And when he pops up, there's the boat circling. His friends are in the water looking for him. And Richard was fine. Now I ask you, why didn't Richard Bowles drown that day? On the bottom of a lake. And especially unconscious, his body would just naturally try to bring in air. Richard was fine. If Richard had drowned that day, and he'll tell you this, I, I still know Richard. He's a, he's a dear, dear, lifelong friend. If Richard had drowned that day, he'd tell you himself, he's going, to, he's going straight down. Something happened that day. Something happened to preserve Richard's life. Now, was it an angel? You know what? I don't know whether it was or not. But I do believe this. I believe God was involved. One way or another, I believe God was involved with saving his life that day on the bottom of the lake. Angel or not, remember, it doesn't matter. Because really this study of, of, of angels is not really about angels. <laughs> right? It's about God. And what I want you to be able to take from the study, interesting information, hopefully, but so much more than that. And that is the consciousness and awareness God is here. He's here. And one of the ways He's here is in the form of angels. I believe there are angels in the room with you right now. I do. Call me crazy. But I do. We'll see more of that as we get along. But I wanted to... to, to, to as far as our, our passages, I want to start with this verse from Matthew 25 in regard to angels being holy. This is verse 31. Jesus speaking. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all His holy angels with Him, then shall He sit on the throne of His glory. So I just wanted to go ahead and read that from the text. I referred to it, but I wanted you to hear that. Okay, so yes, they are indeed holy. That's the majority. We'll talk about the evil ones, the bad ones, a little bit later. All right, here we go. Next point. They are innumerable, right? Innumerable, uncountable. There's tons of them. How's that for layman's terms? Let's say more, more than you can count. Our passage is Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 22. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. You with me? Alright, here we go. Hebrews 12, 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Now, understand, when he says thousands upon thousands, he's not saying if you multiply a thousand by a thousand, then you can determine how many angels there are. <laughs> that is not the case at all. Hang on a second. I was going to set a timer. I don't want to overdo you. 
I got a, a timer for two hours. It's going to be good. I don't think so. Let me, let me change that. There we go. It's all good. Don't worry. Don't worry. I wouldn't do that to you. They won't let me do that to you. Okay? Thousands upon thousands. Right? That's not a specific number. That's just trying to say there's just, there's just tons of them. Now, tell you why I like that, and that's encouraging to me. Because as they help me in whatever all these, these ways are, which we will see that they do for you and me, I'm glad there's a bunch of them. Glad it's not limited. The, 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 this magnitude of the angelic host, glad it's not limited to a certain number. Who knows? Look, for me, I know I need a lot. And so I'm glad to know that there, that there are plenty, plenty. As a matter of fact, more than we need. And I think that's the way God will provide. Okay? So they are innumerable. Next up is they are wise. Wise. Turn to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 14. Now, again, this is a, we're not going to, to delve into the context here, but to serve our purposes, we're going to pick out a couple of verses here to, to enlighten us as to their wisdom. Okay, Second chapter 14. Look at verse 17. We'll start there. And now your servant says, May the word of my Lord the King Bring me rest, for my Lord the King is like an angel of God in discerning good and evil. May the Lord your God be with you. Okay, hang on. Yeah, then look at verse 20. I'm sorry, I still had trouble seeing the numbers. I'll have to fix that. I keep saying that. Oh, you probably already read it by the time I found it. Your servant Joab did this to change the present situation. My Lord has wisdom like that of an angel of God. He knows everything that happens in the land. My Lord, he's talking about his master, not, not Lord God. My Lord has the wisdom of an angel of God. So they're, they're wise. And again, that's encouraging, right? Because as they deal with us in our lives, nice to know that uh, that they are indeed wise. Wisdom given by God, of course, but they do have uh, wisdom. Okay, now now let's delve into some areas that are going to... I told you some of these are just simple to the point. Others are we can expound upon a little more. Now, our next point is they are powerful. Oh, yeah. They're powerful. And we'll start in Psalm 103. Turn to Psalm 103. Alright. Psalm 103, look at verse 20. Praise the 
you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding. Mighty, powerful. And here's what we, we discern from other passages. Again, I know I keep saying this. We will get to these, these specifically. But I believe they are more powerful than demons. Okay? Now, there is some disagreement as to demons and where they come from and what they actually are. We'll, we'll talk about that. I'm convinced that the demons are these bad angels that we refer to. We'll see that in our passage later. But the good news is the good ones are more powerful. And we'll prove that later. They're also more powerful than humans. They're able to do more powerful things than, than we are able to do. Okay? Tell you what, look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Second Thessalonians 1. This is a really neat passage in referring to the second coming of Jesus. And let's let's start in verse 5. The verse we're going to pinpoint uh, on as far as powerful is verse 7, but let's start in verse 5. It'll kind of give us the flow of things here. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. That means, that means he's righteous, he's fair. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. Ready? This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. Let's go ahead and finish it. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord, of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. On that day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. Woo, man, this is a powerful passage. And appropriately so, powerful angels are going to accompany Jesus on that day. The word in the text, when it says his mighty or powerful angels, that word mighty, that comes from the same word that we get our English word dynamite. I heard, I heard a guy say one time, man, angels are God's dynamite. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Powerful. Absolutely. Not as powerful as God. Don't ever misunderstand. But more powerful than us. And I believe more powerful than demons as well. Okay, next is they are not to be worshipped. Not to be worshipped. Turn to Romans chapter 1. What's well, a great, great passage right here. We'll delve into this a little bit. But this this makes logical sense because our very first point was they are created beings. And we'll hear that come out in this passage. How how clear it is they're not not to be worshipped. Now, to get the, the power of this passage, we're going to have to start in verse 18. 
Okay? The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Boy, this... Now preach. Okay? No one anywhere on the world has an excuse to not know that God is here. Just take a look around. Look up in the sky. Look across the mountains. Just take being clearly shown by what has been made. Paul says in this letter. Unfortunately, these folks have chosen to turn away. Turn away from God. All right? Look what he says, verse 20, 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles, any kind and all kinds of idolatry. Here's what... God does in response to that. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. You ready? You ready? They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised Worshipping created things rather than the Creator? You've got to be kidding me. I mean, think about it. That doesn't even make sense. So angels, as amazing as they are, they're not to be worshipped. They're not God. I'm going to keep saying that over and over. Look at Revelation 22. Revelation 22. Pretty easy to find right at the end. Okay. Revelation 22, look at verse 8. I, John, the Apostle John, writing this particular letter, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard these, when I heard, when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, do not do it. Stop that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and of all those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. You hear that? Even an angel. This amazing angel. What are you doing? Don't do that. I'm a servant like you. Now, the reason this point is so incredibly important, well, it ought to be obvious, but there are some folks who get caught up in this subject of angels 
and angels just to go, oh my, oh, angels this, and, they, and, and they, they become the focus. And that's why I keep reiterating and re-emphasizing. It's not about angels. Well, they're cool. And they're powerful. And they're other things, right? But ultimately, it's about God. So let's make sure we keep them in their proper place. I think they're, I, I think they're cool. I think they're exciting. They're, powerful. they're helpful. I'm thankful for them. But I didn't even come, I didn't even come close to how thankful I am for God and all that He does. All right? So we keep them in their proper perspective. Now here's an interesting, again, little fact. The next point is they, do, they don't marry. They don't get married. <laughs> now that may seem rather insignificant. I get it, but it's here. It's in the text. And so uh, it was important enough for Jesus to say it, right? So, uh, so we're going to include it. So turn to Matthew chapter 22. We used this passage for another point earlier. I believe it is that they were immortal. But this time, boy, my, my Bible is falling apart. I'm having trouble. I just can't seem to, to graduate to a different one. Okay, Matthew chapter 22. Oh, I know what it was. It was Luke before. Same context, same situation, but I'll explain it a little bit this time. Here's what took place. The, uh, the Sadducees were actually trying to, to trap Jesus. Okay? And so the Sadducees, they didn't even believe in the resurrection. And so, but they were pointedly asking him a question about the resurrection. And it had to do with, you know, if this guy uh, marries this woman and then he dies and his brother, that was their custom, the brother marries her and, and he dies and then another brother, and he's got like, there's like seven of them. And they all marry the same woman and they all die and then the woman dies and the Sadducees ask Jesus, so, in the resurrection, who will be your husband? They're just trying to ask him a question he can't answer, which is ridiculous. Okay? But that's what they're that's what they are are uh, are trying to do. Look at let's see, verse well, look at twenty nine. This is Jesus' response. They just asked him look at verse twenty seven. Finally, the woman died. Now then at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven? Since all of them were married to her. Huh? <laughs> Jesus replied, You are in error because you do, not, you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. They're trying to trap him. Come on. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now, see there? Now, you need to go and read the rest of that to see what happens. But. And just in passing, Jesus says, first of all, you're mistaken. And you don't know the power of God. In the resurrection, people are not going to be getting married. After this life, people are not going to be getting married. They'll be like the angels. Boom. So they don't marry. Okay, now, sidelight, okay, this is free. I'm throwing this in free. Does that mean 
we're not going to know who our spouse was on this earth. Or what if the person had multiple spouses? That means we're not going to... Some people say, well, we're not going to know each other in heaven. Well, there's a Greek word that I believe describes that particular way of thinking. Hogwash. Yeah, no, it's not a Greek word. Now, this is my, my opinion. I think we will most definitely know each other in heaven. And, and some will say, well, that, that can't be true because, you know, there's no tears, no sorrow. And what if, you know, Uncle Joe, what if he's not there? And you'll know where he is if he's not there. Therefore, we can't know each other. Well, here's the thing. I can solve that little dilemma, and I'm not even close to God. How about I just wipe out your memory of Uncle Joe? Ta-da! See, that's easy enough right there. And that's me. Don't think God can't handle Something like that. And as far as relation, earthly relationships go, we won't be getting married in heaven. But that doesn't mean that my, my spouse, who I have been married to now for 45 years, that doesn't mean we won't have a special connection because of that. I don't believe we'll get married. We're already married. I believe we'll have a special connection. I believe we'll have a special connection with the relationships that were special to us here on earth. Oh, look, that's just me, guys. I'm just telling you what I think. I told you it's my opinion. But angels don't marry. Okay? Not, not in heaven. Okay? That's a, that's a, hmm, that's a, I'm throwing that little statement in there to save for later. They don't get married in heaven. Just remember I said that. Alright. Next. Now, now it gets really cool. Right? Next point is they are either visible or invisible. And you say, well, come on. In the, I mean, that'd be true about you. You can say that about anything. They can be either visible or invisible. Sometimes both at the same time. You say, well, how is that possible? Well, think about it. Maybe somebody can see them. Somebody can't. Visible or invisible? Let's take a look. Now this is a really fun passage. If you've never... Oh, I'm sorry. Numbers. Numbers chapter 22. If you've never heard or read this account, it's going to kind of blow your mind. Okay? Numbers chapter 22. This is the account of Balaam. Balaam and his donkey. We're not going to get into the context of why Balaam was making this trip. But he's making a trip. Okay? Look at verse 21. I believe. <laughs> yeah, 21's right. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. But God was very angry when he went. He didn't want him to go. Very angry when he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey. And his two servants were with him. Now watch this. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a, with a drawn sword in his hand, she turned off the road into a field. So here's what we get. The donkey could see the angel 
Balaam could not. So the donkey dies, turned off into a field. Balaam beat her to get her back on the road. Yeeks! Don't tell those animal rights folks about that. Might have a problem. Okay, so the donkey can see the angel. Balaam could not beat the donkey, gets back on the path. Verse 24. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between two vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat her again. Balaam still can't see the angel. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. And he was angry and beat her with his staff. Then, then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. Now here's a whole other thing all together. Opened the donkey's mouth and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Now, now I don't know if like, Balaam was used to a donkey talking or not. I, I don't get this part because Balaam doesn't just all of a sudden shout, Talking donkey! He doesn't do that. The donkey says, Why have you beat me these three times? Balaam answers the donkey, You've made a fool of me. If I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No. <laughs> Balaam said, Ah. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn, so he bowed low and fell face down. Oh, invisible, all of a sudden visible. Now, in that case, it was a donkey that, uh, that saw the, the angel. Balaam couldn't. But watch this. Turn to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. You know what? We're out of time for this lesson. Okay. So my timer, I set a timer, it went off. So so we're going to hold, put a hold on right there. And, uh, and when we come back, We'll pick this up about they are invisible, they're visible or invisible, and I'll show you one where where there where people, all people are involved. Some can see, some can't, until they indeed are revealed. So, uh, thanks for being here tonight, and uh, we'll uh, hopefully see you see you next time.